Hey guys, it's Josh, one of the hosts of Long Live. People are all the time asking me how I read books as fast as I do. Well, the secret is that I recently started using Audible. Visit my website, go to the show notes for this episode, and follow the link and sign up for your free 30-day trial of Audible. They have tons of great titles like R.C. Sproul's What is Reformed Theology, Michael Horton's Core Christianity, and John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. So again, visit PastorJoshRobinson.com, find the link in the show notes, and get signed up on Audible today for free. Thanks again for listening. Welcome to Long Live, a Christian podcast dedicated to applying the Christian worldview to every area of life. I'm your host, Pastor Josh Robinson, lead church planner and pastor of New Haven Church in Chapmanville, West Virginia. And joining me today is my co-host. Hey guys, Colton here. What's up, Colton? Not much. Awful tired. You're t- you're tired every time we do these. Well, I'm tired, specifically on this episode, because this is the... Like, umpteenth time. Hang on, hang on. I got it. Get my calculator out because there's some exponents that's going to have to be used to. <laughs> 47th time. It is about the 47th time we've done this. Like, seriously, every time that we've got together to try to make this episode, something has always happened. It's either technical or physical because my body just, I'm just, I caught myself falling asleep on the micro with my eye on the microphone the last take that we tried. Yeah, this was almost the episode that never was. Yeah. Maybe that's what we should call it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably the coolest thing we could call it. But, yeah. So, anyway, we've got some news for you guys today. Uh, as most of you should know by now, unless you're living under a rock, Donald J. Trump is the president of the United States. Really? Yeah. You been living under a rock, bro? Um, more like not. Cave with my Xbox and stuff. In college land. Yeah, that's how college life is. Yeah, so Colton just started college back up uh, again a couple days ago, and it has beaten him down really hard. Yeah, I'm mentally exhausted, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) You're like like three days into it. I'm four. (laughs) Get it right. But not only four days, 12 hours. Yeah. 12 hours into it. And, uh. It's pretty fun, though. I mean, I like it. I like it better than where I was at before. I yeah. feel more at home. That's because you are at home. Well, yeah. It's because you're I like, am actually... You're like five miles away from your home. Yeah. It's Well, it's it's not only that, but the people. Basically, like I'm in high school again. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, I love it. Doing everything to the glory of God, trying to get stuff done. Yeah, I hear that. So, anyway, Donald Trump is now the president of the United States of America. And if you've been keeping up with the news, you will see that there has been tons of protests and... Not really protests. Yeah, they're not necessarily protests. They're more riots and destroying private property. Looting and yeah. breaking and damaging. It's, yeah. It's, 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 it's sad. Yeah, it is sad. It's, you, know what, you know what I found really confusing the other day? What? Didn't, did you see on the news where they were like throwing rocks at Starbucks windows? Wasn't Starbucks <laughs> like a liberal... Yeah. Basically, like, didn't they, like, 
like have some problems with saying Merry Christmas. Yeah, I, like, I know that's not necessary. I actually yeah. saw that last night or today. Yeah, and like, Starbucks was actually a huge supporter of Hillary Clinton. And yeah. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that they actually donated money for to her campaign. Yeah, I'm almost I'm almost positive these aren't even you know like left wing radicals that are doing this. I'm almost positive these are just complete. <laughs> Like and not not the anarchists that are a part of the Libertarian Party. I'm talking like the anarchists that just don't care about anything. They just want to get around breaking stuff. I'm I'm talking bad they're anarchists. Like, they're like they're like, hey, they're already breaking stuff. Let's just go ahead and jump in yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, you see one liberal get mad and or not even just somebody that didn't like Donald Trump get mad and throw a rock, and then all these other people that just like to break stuff are like, oh, finally my chance. Yeah, it's it's been nuts over the past few days, and like. We live in West Virginia, like we live in the Appalachians, the like, red state. <laughs> yeah, like we like nothing like ever happens in West Virginia. You yeah. know what I mean? But like, there's some Facebook arguments. Yeah, like you might <laughs> see a couple of Facebook arguments break out here and there. Like there's maybe five liberals in the state. <laughs> no one breaks windows over Donald Trump winning. But surprisingly, and this really caught me off guard today, there was a huge women's march in Charleston at the state capitol today. Like they marched through Charleston and all the way to the Capitol and occupied the Capitol. What were they? What were they marching for? It was for women's rights, and it was mostly for um, women who were not supportive of Donald Trump. It was a. Well, let me guess. Mm-hmm. Was it something about their bodies? Yes. And it only being their bodies. Yes, that was that was um, definitely one part of it. Um, it was mostly the. Radical uh, left-wing feminists who were there. Look, I didn't realize that there was that many in in West Virginia, but apparently, college, yeah, apparently, college turns people into. I have you, several, the ideology shoved down your throat in college. Yeah, I have several friends who were in Charleston and were in town while the march was going on, and um, were they throwing the rocks at the protesters? No, they weren't throwing rocks, <laughs> but they were talking about how how vulgar the women were. Really? Yeah, like that they were like doing all kinds of like nasty like vulgar signs like the v word a lot yes like i saw some (laughs) of the word like i saw the signs uh i saw pictures of the march today on instagram and stuff like that it was trending and i saw some of the signs and like a lot of the signs that i saw were very vulgar and very like had a lot of it's like yeah 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 it was just like yeah but uh yeah, it was. It's kind of surprising because, you know, you usually don't see that kind of stuff in West Virginia, but they showed up in full force today. And like you said, yeah, it, it was mostly centered around um, disapproval of, of Trump and fighting for women's rights, like specifically the the right to abort children on demand. And here's what I thought was so hypocritical about all of this, I, I saw so many signs today saying things like choose love, shun hate, yet at the same time, they're marching for the right to murder children on demand. How can you say that you are for love if you fail to love the children in your own womb? Yeah, I'm, I just have a hard time wrapping my mind about around people's uh, logic for... Abortion. I mean, it's a whole other podcast on its own. Oh, yeah. Right we there. Could, yeah, you we could, could spend literally as much time as you wanted on the topic of abortion. Yeah, I mean, my main argument for that is the whole uh, first-degree murder, attempt first-degree murder if you 
try to harm a pregnant woman. Right. Like, why is it, and you get two counts is right. what it is. And I don't, that one stumps me there. You know, how yeah. a woman can choose whether or not her baby has, it's like the woman's choosing whether or not her baby has rights. Right. Like, if you try to hurt me, my baby's got the right to be a human and you can get in trouble for trying to kill it. But yeah. if I try to hurt my baby, you can't say anything can, to me. You can't say nothing to me. Right. It's very arbitrary. Very, very arbitrary. But yeah, it's just, very unloving. Yeah. Yes, me. And so um, it is very unloving. And it, it shows the just the hypocrisy of, you know, the, the feminist leftist agenda. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's just no consistency there. And it, it just it just goes to show the bankruptcy of that, that type of worldview. And people try to call it progression, but it's not very progressive. If you're yeah. Murdering. So you can um, call it what you want, but it's. Yeah. So. I also saw several people who I knew in um, in this march. Several people who I know who actually proclaim faith in, in Christ, and they were actually um, in this this march, participating participating in the march, yes. which which really surprised me because I don't understand as a Christian like I can understand. Um, acts of civil disobedience, right? Like I can understand, like if um, you know there was a top-down uh, ruling on something, and like saying, for example, that you know murder is okay for you know twenty-four hours. Say like a purge, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can see uh, disobeying obeying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing: they they weren't. They were there to support this. They were there to say, yes, women ought to have the choice to um, murder their children on demand. They Uh ought to be able to do these types of things. And that really just kind of blew my mind. So that kind of brings me to a question. How should Christians respond to Trump being president? You know what I mean? Like, should we be um, supporting these... Uh, this group who was vehemently against Trump, but also, you know, are for things like, you know, abortion and and things like that. Yeah. So what do you think? How do you think Christians ought to respond to Trump's presidency? Well, I mean, I guess with, you know, I'm kind of stumped here because there's, there's so many ways you could look at it because like me, I just I hope he does awful. You you hope he does awful? I hope he does terrible. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, well, I don't know. Wait, I'm, you I'm, you exp- I'm an American. Expl- you gotta I'm explain Ameri- what you're saying. I'm Why American. do you hope that he crashes and burns? Well, you're no, a no, no, citizen you're right. of the United you're States. Right, you're right. You're right. It's like being on a. It's like, it's like being on the Titanic and hoping we hit that iceberg. <laughs> like, it it really is. No, I mean we're all a part of this country and. Right. You know, as not just speaking from just a United States citizen standpoint, aside from being a Christian, you know, we ought to, you know, even if you're not, even if you aren't a believer, you don't pray, mm. you know, all that stuff. Why would you not want him to do good? Right. Why would you not want him, you know, to be just and do the things that he should be doing? Right. And we don't want to see failure from our president because failure from our president brings failure upon our, you know, government, our judicial system, our, uh, you know, economics, it just everything crashes and burns with it, and we're right there in the middle of it. Yeah. But as Christians, we ought to be praying for him. Right, exactly. We ought to be hoping he does good and hoping that he not only does what we think is right, but what God says 
is right. Right, exactly. And and Scripture actually commands us explicitly to pray for our leaders. Um, we we are commanded by God to to do that. Um, let me uh, pull up the Scripture here real quick. If I can get my computer to cooperate with us real quick. Um, hold on a second. What Scripture are you pulling up? Um, Isn't it in? It's, uh, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. Romans. Nope, it's not in Romans. I thought it was. It's Paul who says it, though, isn't it? It is. Uh, well, Peter Peter says this. Um, it's in First Peter. Hold on. Give me just a second. I'll pull it up. Okay. My computer's being slow. Yeah, it's in First Peter uh, two thirteen. It says, "Conduct yourselves in such an honor among the Gentiles that uh, though they slander you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God." on the day that he visits us. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to the king um, as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish evildoers and praise well-doers. Um, for, for it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorance of foolish men. Live in freedom, but do not use your freedoms to cover up for evil. Live as servants of God. Treat everyone with high regard. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. Yeah. So we are called specifically um, by God in Scripture to honor the king. We are called to pray for our leaders. Um, so it, it, it blows my mind whenever we see Christians talking about, uh, you know, I hope that, you know, he fails. I hope that he, you know, crashes and burns because... Weird. Well, and and if you look at it, you're right, but and if you look at it from this way too, as a Christian saying that you hope he fails, as a Christian, we want a successful president or leader or king or emperor or governor to implement laws such as things like banning abortion. If right. we hope he fails as a Christian, that's saying that we hope that he doesn't do what God has commanded him to do. So we're basically looking at you know people and we're having conversations. We're like, I hope he, I hope he fails. What you're saying behind that, I don't think you're thinking through what what what, they, what you're actually saying. Right. You're saying that you hope that he doesn't do what God's telling him to do. Right. As exactly. a Christian, if you hope he fails, then you're you're going exactly against God's word. Right. Exactly. So I, as Christians, we ought to. And here's the thing: I was very vocal um, about Trump during. Uh, the election season. Well, he wasn't the president yet. Right, exactly. Um, so I was very vocal about that. I was very open about that, that I did not support him. Mm -hmm. um, I was I was actually a, I don't know what that was, but anyway, I was a Rand Paul supporter. Oh, yeah. I supported Rand Paul. I thought he was a, a solid liberty candidate. Yeah. Uh, he he was a constitutionalist. And see, and that's where the, that's a big difference between Rand, or Ron and Rand and, and, you know, all those guys compared to, you know, I'm afraid to admit it now, but I am a part of the Libertarian Party. Sadly, <laughs> after that nomination, but well, I, like, after after Rand was gone, I was a supporter of Austin Peterson for yeah, a while Austin in Peterson, the Liber yeah, Libertarian exactly, Party. Exactly, and somebody like him that would have got in. And you know, we're we're bringing up abortion a lot, but that's a big thing. You know what I mean? Right. That, that's a that's a big flaw in our system. And when you when when you quoted scripture earlier and mm -hmm. you said that not to use our freedom to cover up evils right if we are supporting the people in, in like somebody like Gary Johnson 
Yeah. And we say, and he, and he's, you know, he's one of those, he's social, like liberal, he's a social, lib- you know, right. Left us on the, on the social views. Right. And if he would say, oh, well, you have the freedom to choose. Right. That's kind of using that freedom to cover up the evil of murdering. Yeah. And it, it is. It really is. And that's a good point that you bring up. So this is going to lead us into the main topic of our discussion this evening. So we got a question. Oh. And the question, well, it, it, you can still do it. The, the question, we're going to talk about theonomy, theonomy this evening. And theonomy is a very hotly debated topic right now. Like, for example, um, I can't remember if it was a year ago now or two years ago now, um, Joel McDermott and J.D. Hall had a debate on the topic of theonomy. Um, there are people who are very passionate on both sides of the, the debate. Um, so this is probably going to be a controversial episode. Um, so here's the question that we got. It says, what is theonomy? Is it biblical? Is it historical? And do you hold to it? I do. So it is a, <laughs> you're like, I, I do. <laughs> well, right, I mean, off, I mean, right off the bat. It just, it's, it's one of those things. If, if we're applying scripture to everyday life, right. That also applies to government. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and here's the thing. A lot of Christians suppose that God doesn't have anything to say to government. Oh, or, he does. Or to, oh, he, he most certainly does. If you go back and read the laws that he gave to the nation of Israel, he had a lot yeah. to say about, you, you don't know about, about that, the government. You're going to learn today. Yeah, you're going to learn today for sure. So, all right. So we're going to, it's really a four-part question. And so we'll, we'll dissect it, um, you know, part by part. So the first question is, what is theonomy? Okay, well, theonomy, um, simply put, it, it comes from, the, from two Greek words, which is theos and namos. And theos is Greek for God, and namos is Greek for law. So simply put, it just means God's law. It means to hold a theonomy means that you are a proponent of God's law. Mm-hmm. So in some sense, all Christians are theonomists. Yeah. If, if you are not antinomian, which means that you are... Um, holding to a position that says that law is bad. Um, so every Christian, if you're orthodox, is a theonomist in some sort or another. You yeah, believe that God's laws yeah. are relevant to you're, the way we if you're live. Not, if, you're not, uh, if you're not thinking that it's relevant, then you might as well just be a universalist. I mean, because <laughs> if you're, you're living the way that you don't think that God's laws fit, then you know, that's just kind of saying, well, just be a good person. That's all you're saying. Well, and you think about it too. That's one of the things that makes us distinctly Christians. Yeah. For example, you know, if you take out God's law, then we're just good people, and and and, you know, we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. But taking out God's law and the way He wants us to live would just make us charitable people. Like if you if you look back in the Old Testament, you see that obeying God's law and his commands was one thing that set his people apart from the pagans. Yeah. So to be anti-law of God, you take away one of the things that makes us distinctly Christians. Yeah. So so what is theonomy? Simply put, it is theos namos, it is God's law. It is holding to the law of God. Now, that's a very uh, broad answer to it. Um, to answer it in a more um, uh, a more particular way or specific way, uh, theonomy is the belief that the judicial laws of Moses um, specifically um, 
are still applicable to the civil magistrate today. For example, this position was put forth by men like R.J. Rushdooney, Greg Bonson, um, Gary DeMar, Gary North, a lot of people within the Christian Reconstructionist movement. Um, so that is what theonomy is. It is the belief that God's uh, law, specifically his judicial laws, are still relevant and binding for civil magistrates today. Um, and so the question, the next question is, is it biblical? Now, this is where things are probably going to get controversial. I believe personally that, yes, it is absolutely biblical. Um, and here's one passage of Scripture that I would actually point to um, to prove this. So I would point to Psalm 2. Now, there are many Scriptures I'd point to, but I would start in Psalm 2. And um, I will um, read Psalm 2 starting at verse 7, and I'll go down to the end of the chapter. Verse 7 says, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is kindled quickly. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. So That's some heavy scripture. It is. So here's the first the first thing that I want to point out. Um, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the covenant of redemption. Okay, the covenant of redemption was a, a pre-fall covenant um, between the three members of the Godhead, the Holy Trinity, and in that, um, the the Father gave to Christ a people a people and the nations. And we see talk of that covenant here in Psalm 2. It says, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that Christ got, uh, his one of his, um, his uh, prizes or the spoil for completing the covenant of redemption <laughs> was that he, the nations were given to him as his heritage, and the ends of the earth was given to him as his possession. Right. The, he, the elect, God's elect, were given to him. And so now you see in verse 10 it says, Now therefore. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's talking about in light of this, in light that in light of that uh, Christ has been given the nations as his heritage and the ends of the earth as his possession, he says to the kings of the earth, he says, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. Okay, so what does God expect of the kings of the earth and the rulers of the earth? What does the verse say? Is it to kiss the Son? It says to kiss the Son. Oh, That's, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> we got a winner. So, yeah, he tells the kings to be wise and to serve the Lord with fear, and to kiss the Son. So whenever we look at government today, and we, we talk about um, how um, rulers ought to rule, well, God says that they should kiss the Son. They should acknowledge Christ, um, and that they should serve the Lord with fear and trembling. So yeah. that means that they should rule in a way that honors Christ. Um, another verse that I would point to is Romans chapter 13, now, 
Romans 13, it says this. I will start at verse 3, and I will go down. It says, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Who would you, uh, would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. If you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Okay. okay. So it says that rulers are to not be a terror for to good conduct, but to bad. Okay. And then it says he is God's servant for our good. If you're doing wrong, you should be afraid because God has given him the authority to bear the sword. That's the ability to, you know, enact capital punishment. Yeah. That's what bearing the sword means. So so God has ordained the civil government with this role. And so in in this that he is supposed to reward those who do good and punish those who do bad, that assumes a a standard of justice. Yeah. So that good and bad bad has to be defined. So who defines what's good and what's bad? Um, you tell me. <laughs> Ultimately, it's God. I was gonna say that. <laughs> Dang it! It's it's God who defines what's good and what's How bad. It's always a trick question. When somebody's when you're talking about religion, when you're talking about our religion, when you're talking about theology, when someone asks you a question of who makes the decision or who is in charge, you always I always say God. Right. A little tipster. So what happens, and, and, and now some would argue and say, no, um, you know, God has given the nations the ability to choose what is good and what is not. Wrong. Wrong. So We do. <laughs> no, we don't. Okay. So what, God hap- does. what happens whenever the nations, for example, choose look, look to back kill at babies? The, like, right, exactly. Is that good? No. They've decided that it's good. Bad. Right. It's bad. Ac- according to who? According to the people Acqu- and not God. But I well, mean that they're choosing it to be good, right? Exactly. But yeah, who says that it's wrong? That you know it. It's the Lord Himself, right? Exactly. So whenever you hold to that position, that that's covering up that it's covering up evil with freedom. It is. It says not to do that, right? Exactly. So it says it says it. It does. It says not to use that freedom to cover up evil, right? And that's what you guys are doing when you're enacting laws. That goes against God's word. Right. Agreed. So whenever you hold to this position, oh, this makes me mad. whenever you hold to this position saying that God has given governments the authority to choose what is good and what is bad, you're going to run into major problems. For example, let's look at Hitler and let's look at what... I was going to bring Hitler up. Right. Let's yeah. look at, see, at what Nazi Germany did. They decided that it was good to take a Jewish people put them into t- concentration camps and put them to death. Yeah. So and I don't I don't think Jesus approves. So so we're, were was this government being God's servant for good no. whenever they did this? No. Right, they weren't. So ultimately if God is not the one implementing the standards of righteousness, then you are going to run into major major problems. Okay, so that was the second part of the question. That was, what is theonomy? Is it biblical? Yes, we see that it's biblical. 
We see that God calls um, uh, kings and civil magistrates to rule according to his righteous standards and to kiss the sun. He expects rulers to rule as righteous rulers. And the same is true with Donald Trump. Yeah. He expects Donald Trump to rule righteously. Okay, so we've seen what theonomy is. We've answered the question, is it biblical? The next, is it historical? That The answer to that question is yes, it is also historical. Um, so I have a book sitting right in front of me right now, and it's, it's called, called Dis- <laughs> Disputation. It's called Disputations on the Judicial Laws of Moses by Johannes Piscator. Now, Johannes Piscator, um, now somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I've, I'm not real read on Piscator. I have read this book. Um, it's edited by uh, Joel McDermott and translated by Adam Jonathan Brink, and it's uh, put out by the American Vision. Um, but I have read this book, and um, from my understanding, Johannes Piscator was a um, second century or second or third generation Protestant reformer. And uh, he was very influential to a lot of the Westminster divines um, who were at the Westminster Assembly. And uh, Piscator specifically held to a position that was very similar to what Greg Bonson held. Um, He specifically believed that the judicial laws of Moses um, that you see in the Old Testament were the standard that um, the governing authorities ought to rule by. So now here's how he would have broke it down. He would say that there were, um, and this is also where the Westminster Confession uh, specifically and the London Baptist Confession uh, gets its understanding of of the law of God. It really comes from Piscator. Um, So the way that Piscator would have framed it was he would have said that whenever you look at the judicial laws of Moses, that they're... um, were laws that were specific to the land. Like you would look, um, for example, they had what was called Jubilee, where, mm-hmm. where debts were um, released every seven years. They would He would have said that that was specific to the nation of Israel. So, so, so you know how you got those people that's like, oh, well, the Bible says you can't cut your beard. Right. Now, is that would that be considered a law that was to the land? Yes. Because obviously I don't think our... I would actually. President's going to put that in act today. Right, exactly. So uh, what and I we would can't s- accuse him of being, you know, yeah. crazy for not doing it. Right. And here's how I would describe it. God, God has um, the law is split into three categories. You have moral law, you have judicial law, you have ceremonial law. And the ceremonial part of the whole haircutting thing and right, I would say and all that. Right. I would say that the the uh, the command specifically to not trimming your beard. Um, you know, not eating shellfish, a lot of those things were given to the nation, the nation of Israel specifically to set them apart from the other nations. I would call you out on a lie right now and say that you've, you've you been cutting your beard and you, you're not holding that and <sighs> that you think it's true, but I've never seen you eat a shellfish before. So. I don't eat shellfish. I think well, shellfish no, that would, eat, that would add it all up. Josh is believing in the, the ceremonial law is still an act of Josh. <laughs> no, no, I definitely don't. Christ... Christ certainly fulfilled the ceremonial laws. He they did, pointed he to did, him. He did. So, so Piscator said that there were specific laws, like you were pointing out a second ago, uh-huh. that were specific to the nation of Israel. Israel, yeah. And that there were some that were applicable to all nations. Mm-hmm. For example, um, 
if somebody was convicted upon two or three witnesses for murder, they were also given capital punishment for that. Ouch. Okay, so they would say, he would say that that is, that is general to all nations, that uh-huh. all nations have to um, put that, those, use those laws as a guide because they are um, what God expects of all nations. Okay. Um, so uh, another thing would be for theft. If somebody stole th- something... Oh, gosh, they cut their hands off? No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. They I didn't. know what they did. The, the indentured they, servant. Well, indentured, yeah, indentured servitude, if they weren't able to pay back. Yeah. So they, they had to pay restitution. And, and most of the time, people that steal and stuff probably weren't able to pay back. Right. Unless they were just, yeah, jacked right. up in the head. So that what if you would steal something from me, you would have paid me back restitution for it. And if you weren't able to do that, then you would work off that debt. So, I owe you some work, man. I steal your food all the time. It's okay. It's okay because I, I do the same thing over at your house <laughs> whenever you're not looking. I know, but I'm um, so think I don't know, but I know. So this was Piscator's understanding of the law. So we see that this was a historical understanding um, that dates back to the Protestant Reformation. Okay. Now this understanding also made it into the Great Confessions of Faith, specifically Westminster and the Savoy Declaration. Hold on, are you saying minister? Westminster. Minster. Yeah, not no, Westminster. Not no. I had to clear that up because I thought you were just sounding real real silly. I thought you were saying, Westminster. <laughs> no, okay. uh, it's, it's Westminster. Okay. Uh, it made it into the Westminster Confession, the Savoy Declaration, and the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. Um, if you would look at Article 19, of, or Chapter 19, of the Westminster Confession, it's called Of the Law of God. Um, so huh. if you look at paragraph four, it says, to, to them also as a body politic, speaking of the nation of Israel, he gave sundry judicial laws, which expired together with the state of that people, not obliging any or uh, not obliging under any now further than the general equity thereof may require. Yeah. Okay. So tell me when I can take a side tunnel here. Is that what? A side tunnel. Like whenever okay. I can... Veer off in another direction because okay. I have a question. Okay, give me, give me just a second. Let me explain right. some of the arguments used here and then you can go. Okay. okay, so a lot of people will look at this paragraph and say, see, it says that he gave them sundry judicial laws and they expired with the state of the people and they don't oblige any anymore. However, that's not necessarily what this paragraph says. It says further, they don't oblige any um, any now further than the general equity thereof. So you have to put this in its historical context. We, we've already talked about Johannes Piscator was a very influential teacher of the Westminster Divines. If you would um, go and look at, uh, for example, uh, George Gillespie, a Scottish, um, a Scottish uh, divine that was at Westminster, in his book, uh, Wholesome Severity, which talks about the, the law and the civil magistrate, he specifically quotes Piscator's disputation on the judicial laws. Uh-huh. So we see that Westminster, you know, these guys from Westminster were quoting this man. So if we put it in its historical context, we see that there was a distinction between particular equity and general equity. So we see that it says that the general equity, which was what Piscator said were general to all nations— still were required of nations today. Okay. That is the historical confessional understanding of the Westminster Confession and the Second London Baptist Confession. So if somebody asks you if you can be if if you can be a reformed baptist or presbyterian and also be theonomic, then yes, you can because historically these documents were also theonomic. 
that they uh, specifically taught that the general equity of the judicial laws of Moses were required of nations today. And the, the particular equity um, had expired with the state of that people. So was it historical to answer the third part of the question? Yes. yes. Absolutely. Okay, sidebar. Okay. So you know how we always have these people that say this should be a Christian nation. Yes. And I agree. Right. Were we ever, people say we needed to go back to when we were a Christian nation. Yes. Were we ever a Christian nation? I think that we were, but I think that at the same time, we were also very inconsistently Christian. Exactly. Because, I mean, you got to look at it. We may, when we signed the Declaration of Independence in 1776, mm-hmm. would a Christian nation have owned slaves for the, because of, you know, different skin color? No, no, I don't. I do, no, absolutely not. So that's where we're inconsistent. Absolutely. So uh, laws like capital punishment, abortion, stuff like that, those were consistent. Absolutely. But the laws of you know slavery and uh, things like, uh, let's see, I can't think of nothing else that was wrong back then, really. There I mean, are, other than now, if you would go to different colonies and things in early America. Um, a lot of them base their laws on the judicial laws of, of the Old Testament. Um, a lot of them had just laws. Now, some of them also had laws that went beyond the laws um, in the Old Testament. Um, so, But I, I believe that we were a Christian nation. I believe that we were inconsistent. Yeah. Well, I uh, believe maybe around, 18, around the 1870s we could have been considered fairly consistent once the Emancipation Proclamation was... Signed and, and and you know I mean Lincoln was assassinated, but once there's a lot of there's a lot of differing opinions on that. For example, like for example, one thing that we you know you will encounter is people say that you know once the I, I'm a constitutionalist, but um, a lot of people will say that once the Constitution was enacted, um, you know that a lot of the the Christian history that preceded that was was gone at that point. Okay. Um, now, I believe that um, I believe that that we were thoroughly though a Christian nation, and that if you go back and you look at those laws and the reason why, uh, you know, people, you know, left left, uh, you know, where they were at to come to America, it was to see the kingdom of God advanced here in this in this new land. They wanted to be a city on a hill where the gospel could be proclaimed and. Disciples could be made. That went downhill real fast. Yeah, it did, and um, it's a shame to see. But yeah, you know. I, I think that one of the thing, reasons why too was that um, you know Christians like we do today lost their saltiness. You know, God calls us to be salt and light. Um, you know, <laughs> saltiness. Saltiness. <laughs> um, so I think that Christians lost their saltiness. Um, like for example, if you look at salt in the scriptures. Salt is used as a preservative. Yeah. Whenever God calls us to be salt and light, He's calling us to preserve the culture, uh, to preserve the world. And whenever you you stop doing that, you you are trampled underfoot of the pagans. And you know that's eventually what what's happened in our country. And it's because Christians have lost their saltiness. They they stop preserving, trying to preserve the the culture. So, the last part of the question was, do you hold to it? And I think that we've kind of summed that up pretty, pretty well. Oh yeah! Um, if you don't know that we hold to it by now, then yeah, rewind. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yet? yeah, we, we do. So obviously we're, we're very sympathetic to that, to, to theonomy and, um, the Christian reconstruction, um, the movement. Um, now, like I said, I know that that's going to be controversial. Um, I know that there are some who don't understand theonomy and, you know, have, or have major problems with it. Hopefully this clears that up. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully this, this, this can be a guide to those people and can help uh, clear up some of those misunderstandings specifically on, you know, why it's biblical. We already saw, you know, yeah. God calls the kings to kiss the sun. To- yeah, we'll see. It, it, it was, I can see why people would think it before we explain that because it would almost be an opinionated thing. Right. But once you build us in with the scripture, mm-hmm. specifically in what was it, Psalms 1? Psalm 2. Psalm 2? Yeah. Once you build us in with that, I think it's unquestionable. Yeah, like it seems you almost unquestionable that, that there's definitely a place for government in God's in his commands. Right, exactly. And and here's the thing, right? And it's here's why God or why Christ calls um the kings to acknowledge him and to to kiss the sun. He already owns the nations. Yeah. So for example, if you own let's say a business, say you were given a business by your father, wouldn't you expect the workers in your business to submit to you as the leadership and to acknowledge you as the leader? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and yeah. Yeah, okay. I get where you're, I get where you're going. Yeah, so that, that's I mean that's a given, and the same thing is true with Christ. Uh, God gave to him the nations as his inheritance, uh, and the people as his possession, and therefore he calls the kings of the nations, which belong to him, to to acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, and to punish those who do wrong, and to reward those who do good. Yeah, and and you're right by saying that too, because you can't take it out of context, because like you said before. There are some cases where they're not obeying Absolutely. what God has told us to obey. Yeah. Just like why we left England in the first place. Right, exactly. We left because of religious persecution. Right, and I think and, that that is a biblical... That was, that was a good thing to not obey the Absolutely. leader at that time because he was not doing what God had put forth for him to do. Absolutely. That's biblical separation. Yeah. Um, like, for example... Like whenever you see in the book of Acts, whenever, um, you know, the people of the, the Romans and, and the, the, the Sanhedrin, they come to the apostles for preaching the gospel and they tell them, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And they say, it's better for us to obey who? God. God over man. man. Right. That's biblical separation. Yeah. So whenever... Uh, governments enact tyrannical and unjust laws. We are it is we are called by God to yeah. to do uh, biblical separation to and to hold them accountable to that. We yeah. have to hold them accountable and say this nation belongs to Christ, and He calls you to acknowledge Him and to kiss Him and to uh, rule righteously. Yeah, and, and to add to that, you can't. Look at stuff and think, oh well, just because he, and, and there's there's things in in law today that that do, that don't necessarily that the Bible doesn't necessarily you know talk about. Like there's things that weren't going on back then mm-hmm. that are going on now. There weren't drones flying around back then, right? And if there's a law that says that you can't fly a drone at a certain 
into a certain airspace. And here's the you thing. You can't rebel against our leader right. for that. That would be going against God's word. Right. Well, like, here's how I would explain it. I would say that if the if the the scriptures don't necessarily put forth a law for it, then it should be. It's on there, the. It's there, on the. Yeah, it's on the, the leader. Yeah. Well, right? there. Well, I would say that it, there, there should be freedom there. Yeah. Like just for, like well, well I want to I want to go into it, but it's so controversial. <laughs> what? And I think you know what I'm talking about. I don't know. Like medical marijuana. Oh yeah. It, there's I I don't think there's ever been I don't think that the the Bible specifically speaks about medical no marijuana. but it does speak on drunkenness yes but which to, which to is you, different than being high but you can but apply but what's the difference in morphine whenever you're laying in a bed crippled up you were mm-hmm. just in an awful car wreck mm-hmm. you're in so much pain yeah why would we dope some up with someone up with morphine mm-hmm. to ease their pain mm-hmm. when we could give them natural grown plant mm-hmm. and if the Bible isn't specific on that right then you know, there should be freedom there. Right. Absolutely. Um, now, I'm not saying for recreational use because you know I don't I don't know where I don't know where I stand on that. And I don't think it would be I stand I stand on that the same the same way that I do with alcohol mm-hmm. for recreational use. Mm-hmm. You know, drunkenness, as stated in the Bible, yeah, is bad. Right. Just like being high would be bad. Right. So, medical, I think there should be freedom for it. Right. Just like morphine. I <laughs> would like a. Like, here's another thing. Here's how I would talk about um, drones specifically. I would say that there's not a biblical command specifically talking about drones. Yeah. The drones didn't exist in ancient Israel. If people don't wrap their minds around this. They're going to think we're wackos for talking about drones. <laughs> but here's the like, thing. These guys are talking about drones. What is this? Even, what are we listening to? Right. Well, here's the thing, though. God's <laughs> word applies to all areas of life. Exactly. Even, even drones mm-hmm. and, and how we should use them. Like, for example... I, there should be liberty whenever it comes to drones. But now if something happens and you take that on somebody's property, private property, and do damage. Or fly over the inaugural speech. <laughs> um, like if you you know fly that over private property and you know somebody gets upset, well, it's their private property. Yeah, they can do whatever. Yeah, they're saying don't fly drones over my private property. Right. You should, respect that. You should respect that because, right. you know, it's their private property. They, Absolutely. You know, it, it just... There, there's places, like you said, it applies, God's word applies to all of walking out the door. And that's the reason why we do this podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we want to see, we say right at the beginning of it, that we want to see to God's word to applied every, to every area of life. Yeah, right. life. So, I mean, that's why we do what we do. And, and here's the thing. And the whole point of this podcast is that um, – God's word even applies to government. It applies to leaders who are in government. It applies to presidents, prime ministers, kings. It applies there. There is not a single area in life where you will find that God's word doesn't apply. Yeah, I agree. All right. So I hope that that was helpful. I hope that that answered the question that was was given to us about theonomy, um, helps people understand where we stand at on it. And um, also, I hope that it maybe gives um, maybe gives some uh, comfort to some who who find uh, troubles within the movement. For example, I mean, if a lot of people, a lot of the the backlash that that's come against the you know theonomic movement, the Christian Reconstructionist movement, is that a lot of the people there seem to be unkind, or at least appear to be to most people, and that that's not necessarily true. I mean, you take. You know, we're we're everyday, you know, West Virginia guys who live in southern West Virginia and 
you know, we're not, I mean, obviously we're theonomic and we're not unkind. We're not, um, you know, being rude to anybody. So hopefully try that gives, at least. Right, try not to be. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully that brings some comfort to people who thinks that all theonomists are jerks too. So, yeah, because there's a lot of people that just think, you know, that it, it can come off. You can come off as a jerk. Yeah. When, when you gotta, you gotta find the right way to approach things like this. Yeah, definitely. And here's the thing. I actually posted a status on Facebook yesterday and it was whenever Trump was being inaugurated. And I said this. Trump got inaugurated? <laughs> <laughs> so I said this. Praying for President Trump this morning and for a peaceful inauguration day. Praying that he would be a righteous POTUS and would rule according to the word of God and would be a Romans 13 president. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's theonomy. Yeah. That is theonomy. And here's the thing that's funny. This is what I find so humorous about it. There was so many people who liked this status who I know are non-theonomists, people who are Lutherans, who hold two kingdoms, people who are, uh, you know, dispensationalists, who, you know, hold all kinds of funky stuff. I know all kinds of people who like this status who are not theonomists. Yeah. But if you present it to people in a way that that is uh, easy to understand and is loving and consistent, a lot of times people are going to be more accepting of things that yeah, way. exactly. So. Just like, uh, just like protesting Planned Parenthood clinics, it's the way I love the way that um, the guy from Apology Rate, Jeff Durbin. Jeff, De- I always want to say Jeff Durbin, but I'm afraid I'm gonna pronounce his name wrong and offend somebody. <laughs> Jeff Durbin. I love the way he approaches how he talks to people when yeah. he is at a protest. Yeah, Jeff Durbin he is very good with yeah. approaching people with love and tenderness and making them feel like he wants to open their hearts. Right, exactly. And see what God really wants them to be doing. Jeff is a mature believer. He is a kind uh, kind man who has a heart for the people that he's trying to serve in yeah. Arizona. And he's he's an awesome servant of God. Yeah, and that's, I'm I'm very thankful for be. Apology Radio and those all those guys there. Yeah. They are they're awesome guys. Um funny thing that you should bring up Jeff Durbin. Jeff Durbin is a theonomist. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So no, all like those guys that Apology are theonomists. Yeah. Well, so, and here's the thing: Do they come across as jerks to people? No, because they're kind and loving. Right. They're doing they're doing their job. Right. Exactly. Doing what God calls them to do. Yep. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be consistent. We're applying God's word to all areas of life and doing that in a way that people can understand and relate to. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, you got anything else? No, man. I'm done. I hope that what that are we was doing this week. What's going on? Anything big? Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of stuff going on this week. We are putting the finishing touches on our corporate gathering. We're launching our first corporate gathering uh, for New Haven Church next Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so we're uh, using this week to put some final touches on some of the things uh, going on there, Some finishing up some paperwork stuff, and uh, you know, just getting prepared for that. Um, also, my ordination is this week. Um, Ooh, yeah, exciting. yeah, it is pretty exciting. Um, my ordinations this week, so I'm also pre- uh, preparing for that. Um, well, I've got a, I've got something else. What? Something, somebody called us out, didn't they? Yeah, I think that they did. They, I, I, you know, it? I'm not sure. We'll have to listen I and make can't sure. Even remember who it was? That's you how know, little it means. You know what? Let's let's wait. Let's wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. I just heard a rumor. I heard something through the grapevine. Yeah, I heard. I, I was told by somebody that we got called out on another podcast. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to listen and, and make sure. So if they do, 
Oh, oh it's on oh, like Donkey Kong. Yeah. It's on like Donkey Kong. All right. So, <laughs> but yeah, that, other than that, that's what all is going on this week. We got a lot of stuff to, to do. We're also preparing for the Doc and Devo conference. Down to that. Yeah. Fun. We will officially be there. So that's going to be sweet. Yeah. I'm looking Me. forward to them free books. I'm looking forward to that Moleskine Journal. Me too. And some Chicago pizza. I've always wanted Chicago pizza. I've always wanted to see Chicago. I want to go to Sears. Is the Sears building in Chicago? Isn't that like the tallest building? No, that's in New York, bro. You sh- somebody told me the other day. <laughs> now, there might be a Sears building there. Is there a Sears building in Chicago? I'm asking Siri. That's not the one I was looking for. <laughs> he gave me directions like a restoration development company. Okay, well, I believe that's it. That's all I, that's all I got. Yeah. Unless you got anything else to add? Nope, that is... Oh, oh I do have something else Light bulb. So if you want to see everything that we discussed, but in longhand form, oh, man. like you I'm talking all this out, I put this in a book. <laughs> I'm we will I'll be releasing a book. Wait, what's it called? Kit. Kit. It's called Kiss the Sun. Oh my gosh! And it is specifically um, written to answer the question of what God expects of the state and uh, you know rulers. So that book is called Kiss the Sun. It should be released in either February or March. I'm putting some of the finishing touches on it now. It's around, it's kind of a booklet. It's around 100 pages. Um, But the book was written to address this topic in uh, in a little bit longer. You know what I mean? Like it's a little bit fuller treatment. More elaborated. Right. It's a little bit fuller treatment of what we discussed on this particular episode. So. Um, yeah, but be on the lookout for that. I'll drop some stuff probably in the show notes for that. Uh, let you guys check some of that stuff out. I might put a, uh, a chapter of it up so you guys can read it. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got. All right. Well, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening in. Remember to go and, you know, hit us up on social media. Yep. You got can, a couple of accounts. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Long Live Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash long live podcast. Also, don't forget to find us on iTunes. Subscribe to us there, download the episodes, and leave us an honest five star review. Or not honest if you got something bad to say. Or just give us five stars. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care <laughs> what you say. Just give, <laughs> just give us five stars. So. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Peace. See you later.